a wonderful, wonderful song of worship. Hey, let's continue worshiping God as we look into the Bible, look into God's word to see what he has to say to us through his word today. And um, my name is Sarah. Thank you for having me at your place today. Um, it's good to be with you. Let me tell you a little bit about something really huge, really exciting that's going on in my life at the moment. Recently, I have rediscovered the delights of New Zealand honey. Exhibit A. This is my little honey jar and my son-in-law, Dave, he bought me this honey and he knows a guy. He knows a guy, a guy called Louis, who makes this honey up in Mangafai, way, way north. And this is beautiful, delicious honey. And you can just get a, get a wee teaspoon. You can dip it on in there. Look at the color of that honey. Isn't that great? And just, mm-mm, that is so good. So, so good. And, and in this, actually, at the moment with the cold days, you can make a, a hot lemon honey ginger drink. You can, oh, the things that you can do with New Zealand kanuka honey. It's kanuka honey, not to be confused with manuka honey, which is really expensive, which my son-in-law didn't buy me. But he did buy me kanuka honey, right? And, um, but, you know, but, but let's talk about manuka honey for a little while. Manuka honey is the creme de la creme of honey. You would only buy manuka honey for someone that you really liked. And, and I'm really grateful for my kanuka honey. But manuka honey, manuka honey comes from the manuka, New Zealand native manuka bush. And, and those bushes, they only flower for like, I don't know, two to six weeks a year. There's only a wee small window in which the little bees can get busy pollinating the manuka flowers and make that manuka honey. Some of the hives are, are located in such remote, out-of-the-way locations, they can only be accessed by helicopter. That is amazing, and it's really expensive honey. So why? What is it about manuka honey that makes it stand out from my... I'm really grateful, Dave, my kanuka honey. What is it about manuka honey? Well, manuka honey, this kind of hen's teeth um, honey, this, this rare honey, it's like a wonder product. It's got some remarkable medicinal properties. Let me tell you some of the things that you can use manuka honey for. It aids in wound healing. It promotes gum health. It soothes the sore throat. It prevents uh, gastric ulcers or helps prevent gastric ulcers. Be careful how you word things. It improves digestions and it treats acne. So heaps of different things. There's probably other things as well, but not all honey is created equal. Not all honey is manuka honey. It might look the same, but I tell you what, there's a special test and it's called the UMF test, the Unique Manuka Factor Test. And when tested, true manuka honey shines through, improves itself to be manuka, to prove, proves itself to be like, I guess, the, the genuine article, the real deal, right? The Bible tells us that there is such a thing as genuine faith, the genuine article, the real deal when it comes to faith. And, and it tells us that the source of genuine faith is always the same place. It's God himself. You can't get it anywhere else. And faith, genuine faith has certain remarkable properties just as manuka honey does. So how do you know if your faith is the genuine article? How do you know if your faith is the real deal? 
Well, like Manuka honey, if your faith is genuine, it's come from a particular place. It's come from God himself. And, and, and just like with the honey, if your faith is genuine faith, then it gets proven through a particular testing. James in the Bible, he tells us this in James 1, 2 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking lacking anything. What we see in here is that when genuine faith is tested through trials, through difficulties, through uncertainties, through tough times, then we get to see those those special properties of genuine faith, which are perseverance and mature character being developed in the life of a human being in your life. In this little mini-series that we're doing, it's called Family of Faith. And in this little mini-series, this three-week mini-series, we've been looking into a chapter in the Bible which is it, it kind of displays for us a whole bunch of our biblical heroes of faith. And in our little mini-series, we've been looking at one of these heroes, a man called Abraham. And today we're going to verses 17, 18, and 19. But in the preceding verses, we have been um, introduced and brought a little bit into the story of a whole bunch of these biblical faith heroes. And they're actually people who we already met and got to know a little bit in our Genesis series earlier this year. So if you haven't read the chapter, I encourage you to read the chapter. Together, all of these biblical heroes of faith, all of these people, they form like a a big cloud of witnesses who are men and women witnessing to the faithfulness of the Lord. And this cloud of witnesses, they surround us and our faith. And we can learn from them and we can listen to their stories. and, And through that, we can be spurred on to keep on going, to keep on trusting in God. And you know, if if our faith were a race that we were running, then it would kind of be like if we were running down this racetrack, that on either side of the racetrack, there would be stands, there would be these grandstands, there would be these crowds of witnesses who are these people in this chapter. And they're calling out encouragement and they're cheering us on. But here's the really cool thing about these particular uh, spectators to our race. Every single person who's cheering from the sidelines has at one stage been the one running. And every single one of those people has made it across the finish line. And so I think that their words hold weight. And they're saying, trust in God. Don't give up. Keep on going. Persevere. Trust in Jesus. And one of these people is this man, Abraham. He's referred to as the father of faith um, by many people. And his was certainly a faith story. You know, as we've learned over the the past couple of weeks, he he was called to leave everything that he had known and all of the certainties 
of his world and of his life and of his experience. He was called to move out from underneath his father's shadow and out from his business and out from his culture and to leave his spiritual beliefs and his land and his people in order to go to a place that God promised, in order to be led by the creator God into a new land. And he didn't even know where that land would be. And he didn't know what it would be like. And he didn't know who would come with him. And he didn't know how on earth all of these things would come together. He had to have a certain kind of confidence. It was a confidence in what he hoped for. And he had to have a certain kind of assurance. It was an assurance in what he couldn't see and what wasn't obvious, what wasn't right before his very eyes. He had to be a man of faith and he had to trust that God would come through on his promises. And so God says to Abraham and to his wife, Sarah, that that he is going to, God is going to bless every single nation of the entire world through the offspring of Abraham and Sarah. Because here's how, because the savior of the world, Jesus Christ would be born as a descendant in the line of Abraham and Sarah. Now there was only one problem with this, with this promise of God. And that was that Abraham and Sarah, they were infertile. They couldn't have kids, they'd been trying. And now they were old, they were really old. Anyway, eventually through a prophecy and a miracle and a natural human act, Sarah became pregnant and she and Abraham, they had a son, Isaac. And by the time this happened, Sarah was 91 years old and Abraham was 100 when Isaac was born. Can you imagine the headlines? And this kid, this was the son of the promise. This was the son requiring uh, a promise, a prophecy, requiring faith, requiring a miracle just in order to exist. And for many years, I can just imagine that Abraham and Sarah would have looked at this little guy, this little guy Isaac, as he grew up in front of them. And I think that potentially they would have thought job done. And they would have kind of leaned back in their comfy armchairs of faith and thought, well, our part's done. And now go, Isaac, go, Isaac, we're old, go, Isaac. But then there's an unexpected uh, plot twist or twist to the story. And I want to read to you the verses that are ours today in Hebrews 11. And it's verses 17 to 19. And this is a summary of this piece of the story written by the Hebrew author here. And he says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham's faith got tested and he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Isn't that amazing? Before we go any further into what that story is actually about, and I'm going to take you into the story, can I just say to you that sometimes I I hear people talk about these verses and they talk about them as if to say that if you will just trust God, if you will just pray enough and trust God, then he will resurrect the dreams that have died in your life. 
Now that's, that's a really nice thing to say, but it's not true. And it's definitely not what is being said in these verses here. The truth of what's being said in these verses is that we must trust God and we must persevere in faith no matter what. No matter what God does and doesn't give us. No matter what God takes away or doesn't take away. We're to trust him. And this little story that's here in the Bible is pointing us to the greatest act of faith and love that the world has ever known. I want to take you to the story back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 22. And this tells us the whole story behind those verses that we just read in Hebrews. Chapter 22 in Genesis, it says this. Sometime later, now sometime later after what? Well, they've had Isaac, Abraham and Sarah have this little guy called Isaac and sometime later, and, and we believe that, it, that Isaac by this stage is at least a teenager. He's possibly um, in his 20s. He's a young man. And, and I'm imagining that this day is just like any other day and, and, and it, it seemed to be quite certain how life was going and yet something dramatic happens. Here's the plot twist. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. That word love there, that's the first time that's used in the Bible. First times are really important in the Bible. This word love is first used to describe the love of a father to his son as described in this story. That's very significant for those of you who know the overall story of the Bible. Take that to heart. It's not, a, it's, it's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence. Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, no delay, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. And when he, Abraham, had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And can you imagine father and son walking together? It took three days. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance and he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. That word worship literally means bow down. And it's like Abraham is saying to his servants, Isaac and I, we're going to go over there and we are going to bow down. That's what he's saying. And then he says these remarkable words. He says, and then we will come back to you. Man of faith. And Abraham, he took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, hard to see through tears, as they went on together, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, Abraham, he said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. 
Isaac said, the, the fire and the wood are here. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there. And he arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac. And he laid him on the altar. And remember, this is not a little kid. This is a young man who submits himself to being a sacrifice on an altar on top of the wood. And Abraham, he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, and we know the angel of the Lord is the second person in the Trinity. He is God the Son. And he called out to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, replied Abraham. And the angel of the Lord said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, spoke God the Son. And Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns and he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord, he called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and, and as the sand on the seashore and your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, remember who's speaking? And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. Genuine faith is tested, folks. Don't be surprised. And God tested Abraham and he proved that his faith was genuine and Abraham persevered regardless of the cost and he understood that life is not about him, it's about God and he, that his life, the point of his life is to point to God. The point of his life is to point to Jesus Christ and it's the same with you and it's the same with me and guess what? Abraham had to believe that the promised blessing of a saviour would come. And not only through a son who had been prophesied and not only through a son conceived by a miracle, but through a son sacrificed by a father. And Abraham had to believe that the son would be resurrected that he would be raised back to life by a miracle. 
And some 2,000 years later, another son, promised by the prophets, conceived by a miracle, would submit himself to a wooden cross and climb onto an altar and offer up his life as the sacrificial lamb of God. And this time, God was the father. And this time, God was the son. And this time God was the lamb and this time God did not intervene because this time there was no other way for sin to be paid for. And this same son, three days later, rose from the dead and he lives. And he lives forever and ever as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and as the risen sacrificed lamb. And anyone who puts their faith in the Son of God receives spiritual life that will never end. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? In a minute, uh, Simon and Nick are going to just give us an an opportunity, give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe your faith is being tested today. Maybe you're going through a really difficult time. I know some of you are. Maybe your faith is being tested in uncertain ways, in ways you never saw coming. And and, and where you maybe thought maybe you could lean back in your armchair and the next people could take over, maybe that's not the case. I would say to you today, there's a crowd of faith heroes who are cheering you on right now. And if they would have one thing to say to you, it would be this, trust God. Don't put your eyes on yourself. Don't put your eyes on the tough troubles. Put your eyes, fix them on Jesus Christ. He's gone ahead of you. The point of your life is not you. The point of your life is to point people to Jesus. Trust in him. Genuine faith is from God. And as you are going through tough times, even so, God is working in you while you're being tested. And he's causing you to persevere in your faith. And he is forming in you these beautiful and rare properties of perseverance and mature character. Just let him. Just let him. Don't cut in on perseverance. Let it finish its work. God is with you, even in the toughest of times, and he gets it. He's been there himself. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I I lift up to you right now anyone who's listening, who's going through a trial, anyone who's going through a really difficult time, an uncertain time, Father, I pray that you would cause them to fix their eyes on you, that you would give them the eyes of faith that trust in God. Father, I pray that you will cause them to persevere. I pray that you would produce this beautiful and rare thing of mature character in them. Lord, may they just be able right now, empowered by your Holy Spirit, and encouraged by your word, may they be able right now to submit themselves to you and rest in you and all that you are. And so I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Saviour, the risen Lamb of God. Amen.